Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you. Excuse my voice. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's been two or three weeks now, and I don't seem to be able to get my voice back, but God is sufficient, so uh, uh, I'm sure he'll come through right, loud and clear. Uh, this morning, we are going to finish up talking about our culture and uh, talking about how a Christian is to walk and talk and act and live within culture. Uh, we've been talking now, this is our third sermon on cultural awakening and how we are to interact with our culture and how we are to be different. The first time we looked at being uh, not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of our mind. And so uh, we, we looked at a few different ideas, whether it would be segregation, integration, or infiltration. And we said that, that we find in the scriptures that the most biblical position is infiltration, meaning that we don't completely separate ourselves from the world because we're in the world, but we're not of the world, so we don't integrate as well. So we're not altogether separate, but we're not altogether sold in and married. But what we do is we infiltrate. We're not of this world. We are of the kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so we have a different source. We have a different foundation, a different power, a different, a different means by which we live out of. And so <clears throat> what we do is we come from our source, the kingdom of God. And if you remember the, the passage of scripture that says, uh, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how do you think that happens? How do you, what's the means that that happens? Well, we are of the kingdom of God. We carry the kingdom of God because we carry the Holy Spirit with us. And so we going into the world is how the kingdom of God comes down to earth and how the earth is redeemed and transformed and regenerated through believers is that we come into the world and we're of the kingdom, bringing the kingdom essentially with us as we come. So we infiltrate the world uh, through Christ and then we are used by Christ to help redeem and transform the world, bringing the world, the world of darkness, bringing the people of the world into the kingdom of light, okay? So we've talked about that. Then we talked about uh, government and how should we be involved in politics and how should we think about these things. And we said that we can't find in scripture where... The people of God tried to transform or redeem uh, the, the government. It's not like we are, it's our goal to go and make sure we fix the government so that we can fix the world. We said that this world's going down. 2 Peter 3.10 says that the world's going to be destroyed, it's going to be burned up, and it will be replaced by a new heavens and a new earth. So we are not to redeem government, but we are to live within that government and obey the authorities, pray. We saw in the scriptures that we are to pray for the leaders that's been put over us, pray for the rulers, that we are to do our civil duty and obey the laws of the land. And uh, if you, if you want to go vote, you should go vote. You should do everything you can within that governmental system to make sure that you are living for God and promoting godly uh, things and, and promoting what the scripture says. And so... By all means, look at the issues, look at the stances, and, and vote. Go do that. That's great. But don't think that that's going to save the world. It's not. Not the world of, 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 of the, the world system or the, the world of people. Because the world system is going down. It's definitely going to be destroyed. And the world of people is going to be redeemed by who? Christ. Christ is the solution. We don't find our identity in Republican or Democrat. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, whatever. 
be what you want, whatever. We find our identity as Christ, Christians. And I'll tell you right now, it might not even be popular in here, but I'm a, I'm a Christian before I'm an American. As a matter of fact, now this might be silly to some of y'all, and this is just complete opinion. A little something happened at a, at a church several years ago where they were going to put up flags. And I don't know if you know this, but in America, if you fly an American flag and a Christian flag, you know the American flag has to be higher than any other flag. So this church was faced with a dilemma. If they're going to put those two flags up, you have to put the American flag higher than the Christian flag. I just wouldn't put the flags up because I can't do that. Or I'm going to put the Christian flag above the American flag. If I get arrested, I get arrested. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And my wife's like, you don't want to get arrested. I'll be like, I would love to get arrested for Jesus. Right? That'd be like, I got arrested for Jesus. Right? Now I'm going to get arrested tomorrow for Jesus. And my wife's going to be like, I told you. <laughs> Listen. Don't find your identity in politics. Do your civil duty. Go vote. I hope you voted yesterday. You know, I voted yesterday. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care who gets selected. If he's the evil of evils or the best of the best, Jesus Christ is king. Okay? And whoever God wants to have in authority, he's going to have in authority, whether it's to bless or to curse and judge the nation. Don't you know that God uh, commissioned Babylon to judge Israel? Don't you know that God commissioned Assyria to judge Judah? Didn't you know that? So, you know, you say, well, Barack killed this country. No, I didn't say that. You said that. You think it surprised God? Or do you think that maybe he was just the means to the end? So I digress. We talked about uh, culture. Do we uh, segregate, integrate, infiltrate? You know, how do we look at politics? We said, go vote, do your civil duty, whatever. That's fine. You know, you can have a hand in the way the country runs. That's great. Do what? Do that. Do that. Fine. Go do that. But don't think that that's going to save the world. And the only reason that we do that is a means to the end, which is what? That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Uh, I want you to look, and there's so much going on in my mind right now as I look at this topic and as I draw to an end the cultural awakening thing, I want to talk about so many things, but I don't have a lot of time. So today I want to talk to you about <clears throat> now or later. Now or later. Do you get your reward now or later? I want to tell you that, um, that our American culture says, I want it. They say, what? I want it. Look at your neighbor and say, I want it now. Don't do that. You're supposed to be a Christian. <laughs> we got to figure out, should we want it now or should we be going to wait until later? And <clears throat> the way that I want to approach this is, is that this teaching that I'm going to give you today absolutely applies to every area of life, okay? Every single area of life, such as what we just talked about a while ago when I walked into the room, Dan Duncan came to me and said, I felt the same spirit. I was actually about to come to you and say there's unforgiveness in the room. Uh, I didn't know how you would take it, but God got to me first before he did. Wesley came to me. He said, there's a wall. I said, I feel it. Uh, 
out of the mouth of two or three witnesses is the truth established. I said, we've got to address this right now. Let's talk about unforgiveness. Let's talk about the weight that everybody brought in here. I brought some myself. Dan brought up a good point. And I want to address this one second. You see, when we, when we address unforgiveness, see, we, we came and we bowed before God and we confessed our unforgiveness. We confessed our, our bitterness to God. But you know, the Bible continues on after that, that we are confess our sins to God. But what are we also supposed to do? Confess your sins one, two, Listen, don't think that you're done just because you got down on your knees and said, God, forgive me. You need to go to that person. Good word, brother. Then it will be finished. It's already finished, but then it will be completed. It will be done. Jesus Christ's finished work will be realized in your life, right? This is what we're talking about. Now or later, you say, I'm not doing that right now because I want to be mad. You need to be okay getting hurt now so that the reward will be later. See, you can only have a reward at one or two times, now or later, now or later. What I want to do today is I want to open up the scriptures. We're going to go to a couple of different uh, scriptures. Uh, one of the main storylines that I'm going to feed off of is, is found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. The main key verse, one of the main key verses I want to use is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Now, Proverbs is <clears throat> a very helpful book. It's full, chock full of good biblical principles and advice that you can just build your life on. You can take these, uh, these, these biblical principles and advice and, and things, and you can apply them to your life and just watch your life blossom, okay? And so this spiritual truth is a spiritual truth that if you apply it to your life, you will watch your life become exponentially joyful. Now, that's not to mean that you'll get everything that your little heart desires or that you'll be happy all the time, but that you'll have joy. And joy is a lot different than happiness. Happiness is, woo it's great right now. Joy is a deep-seated joy and contentment and, and this, this foundation of uh, wonderful, glorious peace that lasts even through trials and storms. You see, happiness is blown away by the winds of a storm. Joy is the boat that keeps you afloat. You get that? You understand that? And so we want to focus on joy. What is not hope you're happy all the day, you know, whatever, but joy. I want to make sure that you have joy. In John chapter 17, Jesus said, I want them to have joy that's filled up full. Joy, right? John 10, 10 is the abundant life. So look at, let's look at Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, just for a second, and then we'll build off of that, okay? <clears throat> Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 says this, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Let's read it one more time. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So he says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness. So let's look at these. I, oh, man. You see my cat light reflexes? Just now? Let's look at steadfast love. What was that? Does that mean you don't think I have cat-like reflexes? That's a big old cat, he said. 
The idea, the big ideas here that I want to draw out of these verses is steadfast love and faithfulness. These are the foundations. It says, let it not forsake you. Don't ever let them go anywhere. So if you look at a building, we talk about this all the time. If you look at a building, you look at a life, you look at anything that is, that is, that is stationary, that has a purpose, what is the one thing that doesn't move from that thing? Huh? That's right, the foundation. So what I want to do is, and I thought that I would write this out because, uh, well, the Lord just gave me this in my journal kind of, so I wanted to share it. Oh, I'm writing something. I'm not supposed to be writing. It was the wrong word. <laughs> foundation. I want to look at the foundation of your life today, okay? I forgot about that noise. It's awesome. It just sounds like work and fun to me. Okay, and then I want to look at your life slash means to get to an end or a result. This is your life, okay? And I'm going to write it down here too because I don't want us to be confused because I'm going to look at two different ways that we live this out. All right, can everybody see that pretty good? Yes? Okay. <clears throat> what we're going to look at is the, f the foundation of your life. What do you build your life on? What's the, what is the thing driving you? We go back to that what? We're not of this world, so it's kind of like a source. What's your foundation? What do you, what do you grow out of? What do you live out of? And then we'll look at your life, but really we're going to look at these two, and then this will be a result really of these two, okay? And that's what it, how you believe and where you're going depends on which direction you go in. Does that make sense? So the result is what do you want to accomplish, what is it that you want to accomplish in life? What, what is the desired result of the things that you do day in and day out? What is the desired result? What is the, what is the end to everything that you're doing? What's the goal of your existence? Okay? That's what we're looking at here. Well, if we know the found, good Lord, if we know the foundation, I get excited and I just, if you know the foundation and you know where you want to go, that will determine how you live your life and the means by which you get there, okay? So I'm telling you right now, if you will set a good foundation and put your eyes on where they're supposed to be, your life will fall into place. Amen? This is really good logical, practical advice for you right now in any area of life, business, relationships, okay, parenting, any, anything you want to do in life, this is very good advice. And this is just a practical application and will work anyway. It can be meant for evil and it can be used for good, okay? This is just how life works, okay? Now... What I want to talk to you about is culture, and I'm going to write American because that's where we are, and the kingdom. But I could just as easily write culture, okay? It doesn't matter what country you live in or what culture you live in. You could live in America and have a whole different culture, okay? So I'm talking about culture here, kingdom here, but I'm going to specifically address the American culture, Okay? 
So in America, what's driving America? What is driving America? What's driving business? What's driving uh, politics? What's driving it all? Money. Money, right? So money, yes, but let's break money on down because I'm a big believer in foundations and principles. What's up under money? Why do we want money? Greed, power, okay, get on up under it a little bit more. Why do, why do, huh? Status, but even that is a reflection of what we really want. We want what? Self. We said it, we said, I want money. I want status. We want respect, right? So we want money, but we really want money to build us up so we can have what we want because we deserve, right? So it's really self. So let's get rid of money because money could be put, money is, I agree, but we could put money, power, status, you know. So let's put self, okay? Let's put self right there. Selfish ambition. Uh, as a matter of fact, we can put self. Another thing is, I want, what, I, what I want to do before I go any farther is read the other verses, Okay? I'm getting a little excited, getting a little ahead of myself. Turn over with me to Philippians chapter 1. I want to paint you a picture here, and I, and I just hope that you can grasp this today. Put it into practice in your life, and you will watch your life unfold before your very eyes in a glorification of Christ, okay? So what we're looking at here are different foundations on which we build our life. Philippians chapter 1, listen to verses 15 through 26. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So when we talk about these foundations, now we're talking about two different people both preaching the gospel. So what I'm telling you is, is that <coughs> this applies anywhere. But the first is this selfish idea, and they preach, and they do what they do. You can say preaching, business, life, whatever it is. They do what they do out of what? Rivalry and envy. So let's put rivalry and envy. Now, uh-oh, forgot my V. Rivalry and envy, but both of these also reflect this desire to build up self they're preaching Christ, but only to elevate themselves. Now, Paul's going to go on to say, hey, as long as they're preaching God, whatever. It's going to be to their detriment. They're going to go down. They're going to, they're going to pay for that one day, but I just want them to preach Christ. Either way, it doesn't change the fact that their motivation, their foundation, their source is rivalry and envy. This is the foundation. They're doing what they do out of this foundation. Let me ask you at this point in the service... Why do you do what you do? You say, for Jesus, okay. Is that true? Do you live your life to the expansion of the gospel or to put money in your pocket? And I want to get very practical. Is most of your hours spent doing what you do in order to promote the gospel and for humble reasons, out of love for others, and, or is it for selfish gain? This is very practical. You should answer the question. So we look here and we say the foundation is rival. Okay, what's the foundation of the other? 
Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. So the latter do it out of love. Now, I want to go to Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 right now because we're talking about love. And we're not just talking about this ooey, gooey, buttery feeling of love. We're talking about a steadfast love and a faithfulness. And what is true love? Who is love? So we're going to say, can I just do this because of space? I'm going to do S, love. What does that mean? Steadfast love and then faithfulness. <clears throat> Steadfast love and faithfulness. This is self and this is Christ. Is this getting jumbled? Can y'all see? <clears throat> the foundation here is self and, it, and it's shown in rivalry and envy and this I got to get more. I got to get mine. I don't care who I got to step on. And you might say, well, I don't do that. But you just don't do that very loudly. Let's look at our life and say, okay, why do, why do we do that little thing? Why did we do that little thing? Why did we spend 30 minutes doing that? Why did we spend an hour? Why did we make that phone call? The result will really tell on why you do what you do. And I think some of you may be fooling yourselves. Are you... Founded on self, driven by culture, and have an understanding like everyone else? Or are you counterculture and of the kingdom and have a different foundation? Okay, well, let's look at the result then. So as we continue on in our Philippians chapter 1 uh, storyline, it says, The latter do it out of love, the ones who preach from goodwill. They do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed in that, and I rejoice. Now, I wish I had a lot of time, but listen, let me give you a little bit of context of the story because that's going to help us with our storyline. Paul's in prison. And he's writing letters, and he's sending them out. He's proclaiming the gospel, okay? He has laid his life down for the, for the gospel. Everything that Paul does, he does why? For the gospel, for Christ. That's the only reason he does anything is for the gospel. Now, you say, well, that's the apostle Paul. I'm not called to do that. Yes, you are. Every aspect of your life is meant as a means to proclaim Christ. You don't got to be a preacher. You don't have to be a deacon or an elder or a pastor or a worship leader. You are to be a Christian, which means little Christ who has infiltrated the world and uses every means that God has placed in front of him to infiltrate the world and preach the gospel as spies behind enemy lines, plucking people off, picking people off like a sniper for the kingdom of God. You are, to in, you are to infiltrate and, and draw them out of the darkness and into the light. That is your job. That's what you do. That is your life. Everything you do is to be for this. So what's the, what's the, the result? What is the goal of those who are of the kingdom? Well, let's look at Paul here. <clears throat> They're trying to hurt him. But he said, now, to these people who are trying to hurt him, because many of you are being hurt, to the people who are trying to hurt him, this is what he says. 
What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He says, some are preaching out of love, some out of envy, trying to hurt me. But it don't bother me. Basically, in my own words, paraphrase, he's saying, as long as Christ is crucified, bring it on. Let me suffer for the king, for it is well with my soul. Bring it on. Now, there's another way of living. So here it is. Christ is the foundation, right? Christ is the foundation. And here Christ is the goal. And we say the glorification of God. This is why Christians do what they do. This is why Paul was doing what he was doing, even if it costs him his life. We go on, we say, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He said, what I'm going through right now is really hard. It's, it's suffering. But let it come because this is what I am about. This is where I am built. And I know that it will turn out in the end for what? He says, I know it will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ is the goal. Christ is the foundation. And he says, whether I live or whether I die, it's okay by me as long as Christ is glorified. So basically he is saying here very clearly that we are to live our lives in, a, in order to get here. So if we've got glorification of God as our desired result, we've set our eyes on Christ. Paul goes on and he says this very clearly what life is in these verses. Listen to what he says. <coughs> I calmed down a little bit. 21. Oh, somebody want to read that for me? So who wants to read it for me? Robert, come over here and read this for me. Hurry up. Come here. Hurry. I want you to come over here and read this. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Check. Mike, check. Well, I don't know if it's mine or that one. Hello. Yeah. You got it on your phone? I sure do. All right. Read it. 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, man, read it one more time. Read it one more time. Oh, me. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Somebody give him a hand. <laughs> for to me to, for to, <laughs> for me to live is Christ. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can he say to die is gain? Because if he dies, he gains, right? To live is Christ and to die is gain. So Christ is our foundation. Christ is the result. And what is in the middle? Christ. Christ. 
We start in Christ, we live in Christ, we end in Christ. We are Christ, we are in Christ, and that's all that matters, right? This is who we are. This is why we live. This is where we start, and this is where we end. Now, up here, what would be the desired result of a foundation built here? The result, if you are living your life, if your foundation is yourself, and you're built here. Now, I've got some really good examples of this. Why, preacher? Say, why, preacher? Because I got three kids. Now, I believe kids are a great example of true believers. But they are also a great example of straight-up worldliness. Because I'm telling you right now, nobody ever taught my two-year-old how to lie. And he's good at it, right? Ezekiel? I'm not talking about you today, am I? Yeah, he's in here today. So, you see, a person of the world in our American culture, right, everything is built off of what drives us is money, power, rivalry, status. It's, <coughs> we're driven by self, selfishness, selfish ambition, wanting to build up ourselves. And so, while this life right here is marked by suffering, Um, uh, let's see, selflessness, selflessness. This, this life is marked by whining, right? You don't get your way, what do you do? You would not believe the whining that I have to put up with all the time. And not from my kids. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> uh, selfish ambition. I'm not talking about you, baby doll, I promise. <laughs> Worry about your wife shooting you because she took her CWP class yesterday. Uh, and she got 94% on the shooting part. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and consumption. Oh, right there. I'm going to circle that one. We are consumers in America. Take it in. Take, 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 take. Where do you want to go to church? I don't know. Who can give me the most? Well, let me say that one more time. I didn't get enough. Oh. Where do I go to church? What church can give me the most? Y'all are getting good at this. Consumption. Our market is driven by consumption. Our relationships are driven by consumption. Our churches are driven by consumption. You ever heard the term seeker-sensitive church? Let me tell you something right now. I've been told twice in the past two weeks, maybe more, I try to just turn my ear off to it. Do you think so-and-so left the church because of this thing you did? Do you think that this person left the church or maybe he's not coming back because of this thing that you did? And you know, that gets in my hair sometimes. That gets in my head sometimes. You can ask the guys that I minister to. You can ask my wife. You can ask Robert Farmer. Now, Robert, raise your hand. He came up here and asked Robert if I didn't come to his house at 10 o'clock at night one time because I thought he might be mad at me. 
I care about you. I care, of, I care about whether you're here or not. I care about whether you get offended. Ask Wesley. Man, Wesley, Lord have mercy. Lock the door. I mean, we have, we've had hours and hours of conversations. Like MMA. Like MMA. And most of the time, it's, it's something silly. It's one somebody got to feel. But I worry about, I do, I shouldn't. But this week I told my wife, I said, you know what? And I was studying this stuff right here. You know what? If somebody's going to leave this church because I said something political that you might not have agreed with or the chairs are this or the stage is that or the lights do this, then you have no business here anyway. Unless you're coming to see Christ. I am not. I, I may be the one standing up here and I may be the the lead pastor of this church, whatever that means. But Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. Jesus Christ is who we follow. Now, if I stand up here and I say Jesus isn't God, or if I say something heretical, then you shouldn't even immediately leave then. You need to come to me and you need to say, brother, is this what you meant? I'm having a hard time with this. Can we talk about this? Can you show me in the scriptures where this is? Can I show you in the scriptures where I think you may be going off task? Because I love you and I don't want you to, I don't want you to go down that road. But how many of you, and then I'm going to ask you this straight up. I really am. How many of you would leave? It wouldn't take much. Somebody pass you in the hallway and not look at you right. Somebody... Somebody spill coffee on you. Somebody not give you coffee fast enough. Somebody not, somebody not make your coffee fast enough. Somebody didn't greet you in the parking lot. You had to park in the grass. <laughs> if you or I are continually whining, we need to see what's our foundation and what's our result? So this right here, a foundation built on self-rivalry, envy. You live your life this way. What is the desired result? What is the desired result? Self is here. Huh? I can't hear. Destruction is the result. But what is the desired result? What is the desired result of this person in this culture? What do they want? Self. That's good, self-gratification. Who said that? That's good. Good job. Self-gratification. I didn't even have that wrote down, but I'm going to steal it. <laughs> oh, look at that. You didn't think I could do that, did you? Self-gratification. And I'll use one of my, because we got to, let's, let's connect the, the, the chart here. Glorification of self. <clears throat> now, this is how it works. If your foundation is on yourself, if your uh, life is all about you, if your desired result is self-gratification, glorification of self, and building you up as God, if your foundation is here and your result and your goal is here, then this will be the mark of your life. Now, we can look at this chart here in several different ways, and it can apply to us, right? Because we can look at this and we can say, I think my foundation is on Christ. And I think my goal is Christ. Uh, 
I don't, I don't think my foundation is self. I don't think I'm built on rivalry. I don't think I operate out of rivalry or envy. I don't, I don't think that's me. I don't, I don't think that I live to gratify self. I don't think I live for self-gratification. I don't, I don't think it's all about me. I don't think that I live to glorify myself. We can look at this chart that way, but I think what we would better, what we had better do is go and say, okay, well, I don't think this is me, and I do think that this is me. Let's go and look. A tree will be known by that it bears. Why don't we like prudent individuals? Prudent meaning that you're on top of it. You look, you study, you want to know, you want to know. Why don't we, as prudent individuals, as those who want to know the truth, even if that truth bears out that we are liars, even if that truth bears out that we are not who we thought we were, how can you ever change if you don't know who you really are? How can you get to here when you're here if you already think you're here? We have to do some self-evaluation. This is biblical. Paul says what? Paul says to examine yourself, to see whether or not you be in the faith. I don't want you to walk around fooling yourselves. Listen to what the scripture goes on to say. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, which shall I choose? So he said, I, I'm faced with a dilemma here. For me to live, to stay here and stay alive is Christ. But for me to die is gain because I can be with Jesus, okay? So I'm trying to figure out which shall I choose. Now let's look at Paul's decision, uh, his, his decision-making ability and his process. And then let's apply that to our life. He says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So he says, if I'm to go on to live, I can labor here and I can have fruit for Christ. I can continue to uh, bring people into the kingdom and preach the gospel. <coughs> let's, let's look though. It will be fruitful labor for me, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. He's looking and going, to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I stay here, then that'll mean a lot of fruitful labor for me. I can get some stuff done, but I'm not really sure which I should choose. So he's faced with a dilemma. Now, this is a great man of God, so it's a really good dilemma, but he's still faced with a dilemma. He's still faced with a choice that he needs to make. Now, yours may be at this point <coughs> between good and evil. His seemingly is between good and better. But he's still trying to make a decision. Yet, I, I'm not sure which one I should choose. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. 23, I am hard-pressed between the two. Now, listen to this. This is driven. Let me put one more word up here. Desire. Okay? Selfish desire. Selfish desire. Okay? <clears throat> Paul says, I am hard-pressed between these two decisions of which way to go. My desire is to depart and be with the Lord and be with Christ, for that is far better. He's saying, I want to go ahead and go be with Jesus because that's far better. It's easier for me. 
I won't have to suffer anymore here. I won't have to go through trials here. I, it, it, will be, it will be less hard for me. It will be better for me. I won't have to go through all this. Remember, he's writing this from prison. I won't have to go through any more trials. It will be easier for me. Paul has a moment of selfish ambition. At least it's a part of his reasoning. He's going between these two. The apostle Paul. He's saying, I'm hard pressed. I've got these two things I'm looking at. One of them I desire to go on and be with the Lord. One of them would be easier for me. It would be the easier road out. I don't really like the color of those chairs and the preacher's kind of a prick. I think it would be easier for me just to go on to the next church. Should I not have said that? I'm sorry. <laughs> is that a bad word? That's not a bad word, is he? We could like put it in an infinite like to be pricky, you know, so... The point is, doggone it. We'll pay for that one, okay? Just know, babe, that my end result is good, okay? I really am going to pay for that one later. So I don't like the preacher. I don't like this. I don't like that. It's going to be easier for me. I'm just going to go find a church that I'll like better, right? Is that okay? Better, better way to say it. I'll just go find a church that I like better. It suits my needs more. The, the music's not too loud, right? You know, the parking situation's better. They don't make me park at Fred's, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's better for me, right? This is part of my decision-making process. My life will be, my life will be easier. You ask yourself in reality, do you do everything you do to make your life easier? How many of you actively choose that which would make your life harder so that Christ would be glorified? That's an honest question. How many of you take the lower paying job because it's more of a mission field? How many of you take the ugly car because you wanted to help so-and-so buy a decent car. How many of you give away the, I'm going, this one's mine. How many of you give away the used appliances so you can buy new ones for you? Practical evidences of who your God really is. That's, that's on me. That's on you. We live in America that says, go on, buy that hot rod. Go on, buy that. How big is that TV? I feel bad about that TV. <laughs> buy that 60, 50 inch, whatever it is. Buy that 50 inch. You need it. Go on, go on. Buy that thing. You deserve it. How much more could I give if I would stop pampering myself? Man, I didn't mean to preach to me that hard. <laughs> so Paul's going back and forth. He says, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire 
<clears throat> my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. You see, Paul just made that decision. Paul just went through this deciding process of, I want to do this. It would be easier for me to do this. It would be better for me to do this. But this is where I need to be. Because others need me. And because Christ has called me. And I could go lavish. Or I could preach life. I could get rich. Or I could redeem. I could whine. Or I could win souls. This church, your relationship with your husband or wife, your relationship with your kids, this church does not exist to meet your needs. Is that too unseeker sensitive? I hope you find a home here. I hope you love this church. I hope you come and get plugged in here. But not so that you can suck the life out of us, but so that you can pump the life into us. Because this church is not this building. This church is the people. And if the people aren't doing anything, then newsflash, we're still trying to get you involved and be the church. Understand what I'm saying? So we're having a volunteer meeting right after the service. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> in overflow we need people in the parking lot greeters well they fell off they disappeared right right so for real come on out there and help us out but let's go let's go let's go aside from the church <clears throat> you want to destroy your marriage live in this area make your marriage about you I did this this week too and I'm really sorry I made it about me and when she didn't do what I wanted her to do, that didn't, didn't meet my need, like I, my, need, my need like I thought it should be met, she didn't do the things that I thought that she should do, I blew up and I whined and I, because I didn't get to consume what I wanted to consume. It was all about selfish ambition. I wasn't thinking about her at all. And somebody over here said, this is the desired result of this, but who out here said destruction? Good job. Because that's the actual result. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to finish up the bank and come on up. Oh, Lord, have mercy. The bank can come on up. I'm going to show you this. <coughs> I wish that uh, I could do it on that side, but there's no more room. If you want to, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This will be the last verse that we look at. I want to show you something here. This was a sobering fact for me. And uh, while y'all getting set up, Clay or whoever, Josh, if you want to play some music. <coughs> the fact of the matter is, as we think about the foundation uh, that we build our lives on, self or Christ, the goal that we're pushing toward Y'all need this out of the way? We can push it over to the side. It ain't a big deal. Drive this bad boy. 
What? <laughs> Here, just push it on. Just let's get it out of the way. I don't really need it that bad. <coughs> I can say it. I can say what I was going to write. It's okay. You can visualize. <coughs> if you make the mistake, now listen. The crazy thing at this point is, is that does anybody disagree with anything I just showed you through the scriptures and really just through logical progression of thought? Does anybody disagree with that? Anybody in the room? It's okay if you do. I'm not God, okay? Anybody disagree with that? Zane, do you disagree with that? No, I'm just kidding. I think it's a pretty good thought process. It's, I think it's just true. It wouldn't matter if I was saying it or if somebody else was saying it. If, you, if your foundation is yourself and your goal is yourself, then you're going to live for yourself through your life. And in the end, though you desired for yourself to be built up and all these rewards, the end will be destruction. But if your foundation is Christ and your goal is Christ, then your life will be marked by Christian living or Christ-likeness. And you will suffer well for the gospel. You will live a selfless life, and it will be, it will be a continually sanctifying event. You'll get better at it and become more like Christ, you know. But here at this point in the service I want to make a, a really clear point if you notice today that your life is actually pointing and evidencing the fact that you're probably not founded in Christ that your goal has been revealed today to be yourself the decisions that you make revealed today that you live for you you make decisions for you you sacrifice but only if you will benefit then there needs to be a change now what I want to point out is you can't make that change apart from Christ because a leopard can't change his spots you can't just decide, well, I'm going to live right from this day on. You see, that's good works. If you could do that, Christ wouldn't have needed to come. You could just, you could just be good and make up for all the bad. This is a spiritual problem. You see, all of us start in the first category. Every person on the face of the earth starts in the first category. We're all about ourselves. That's why I don't have to teach my two-year-old to lie and to manipulate. He'll play me and my wife off of each other. It's quite impressive. I never taught him that. Because we're born selfish. And sometimes we come to a church or we hear some message and we get the butterfly. Ooh. And we say, oh, yeah, that's me. But nothing ever really changes. We go back out into the world and we think, oh, that mission stuff, that's for missionaries. Oh, that preaching stuff, that's for preachers. Oh, that gospel stuff, that's for good talkers and evangelicals. That's for evangelists. 
all of that stuff. I'm going to go to church, and I like the way they do the music. I like the way they do the, the preaching. I like the way they do all of that stuff, and I'm going to do that. But I still got to be me in the week. Brother, sister, I am not God, and I am not the judge. But based on the fruit of that tree, you are not a believer, not a born-again, redeemed through the power and the shed blood of the Lamb. Because where the, where the Holy Spirit goes, Christ is glorified. And though you may fall, you will get up. And though you may fail, you will continue on. So I ask you today, what fruit is on your tree? What is your life saying about you? If you find today that you're wondering whether or not you really do belong to Christ and have been born again, if you have to ask, I would say you may need to come talk to somebody. You definitely need to talk to God. So today we just got real in here. Put your money where your mouth is, kind of real. Do you live one way, talk another? So as we all stand to our feet, I want to read to you Romans chapter 8. <coughs> the American life, <coughs> the American culture says that you are to pay whatever it costs to live comfortable. You are to spend all of your money to make all of your dreams come true. You are to live so that your house would be bigger, so that your refrigerator would be full, so that your kids would go to college. Am I lying? If I'm not perfectly described the American dream, some of you are getting a little offended. What am I not supposed to say for my, my son's college? Is God calling you to do that? I, that's not for me to decide. Be a good steward of your money. But I'm telling you right now, this might be a little, hmm. If God calls you to go to Una, South Carolina, where the crime rate is ridiculously high, to be a missionary, but you stay in the upscale parts of Greenville because your children would be more privileged there, then you've sinned by disobedience. You've chosen your child and their comfort over God and his call. I'm just being real with you. It applies to me too. Are you still sold out? God might call you to Afghanistan. You say, we don't want them in this country. Talk Border Patrol all day long. Uh, whatever. Some's good, some's good. Pros, cons. What if they call you to go there? You say, we don't want them in here. Why? What if, okay, don't let them in here. Maybe God's calling you to go to them. My simple question is, how do you make the decisions of your life? How do you decide what to do? How do you decide what's best? 
are you worried about yourself, your safety, your children, your and all these things are good things to to take care of and protect. The Bible says the man that doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. I'm just telling you that you need to take a look at your life and let it inform you on who you really are. Examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith. Romans chapter 8, verse... Hold on one second. Verse 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Here's how the Spirit bears witness that we are children of God. The Spirit Himself bears witness that we are with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him provided that we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified. If there's no suffering, is there any glorification? You see, the one, you get your reward now and you pay the price later. You get your reward now if you live for yourself. You live for yourself. You build the big bank account. You get the big house. You get the nice car. But if you're not doing that to the glory of God, then that is your reward. Enjoy it. Love it. Kiss that ride. Right? Kiss that bride. Kiss that house. You kiss the ground that you own if land is your God. You have your prize. And you will pay for it later. But if Christ is your prize, then you pay for it now and you receive the reward later. Right? Right? Do you want it now or do you want it later? brother you need to pray for Angelia she's going through a town you can keep playing I like that she said there's something that you need to know I, I think she's right now or later you can have your reward now I can have my reward now and listen if any of you think I had this guy in my office last week who was in a gang, and he said he couldn't leave the gang because they'd kill him, but he wanted to join the church. He said, when I was out there, I just felt like you were talking to me. I said, I wasn't talking directly to you. He said, no, you were too. <laughs> he got mad. I said, well, maybe God was. I didn't, I don't, I didn't even never met him before. But you know, he left my office that day. I, I pleaded with him. I pleaded with him. Give your life to Christ. Give your life to Christ. 
that gang, they may be strong, but they're not as strong as God. They don't have the power of Christ. And I'm telling you, this church might not be good at everything, and it might not be the best at everything, but you put us in an MMA fight. I said, we got you back, brother. I mean, look at all the pastors around here. Freaking beasts. Oh, I shouldn't have said that either. Sorry. <laughs> but I told him, I said, don't you worry about that. I said, there's a brotherhood here. This is a family here. You need me, you come get me. You need me, you come get me. I got, I got 10, I got 20, I got 40 others I call right now. But I got the one I can call. I got Christ I can call on. No weapon formed against you shall stand. I said, give your life to Christ today. He wouldn't. He left. He left here that day. I have no idea where he went. He left here that day. He didn't give his life to Christ. Angelia said her brother came four weeks ago now. Three. Three or four weeks ago now. Hadn't been to church in 20 years. Came to church. That day rededicated his life to the Lord. Made things right with the Lord. He died within a week. The next day. The next Friday he died. Young, how old was he? 36 years old. Told her on the way home that he loved this church and he saw God and he knew that God was real. Hadn't stepped foot in church 20 years. Two identical men. One of them chose Christ and one of them didn't. One of them left here and died within a week. But he spends eternity with, with God in heaven. I, I think that was a God thing. Because somebody in here needed to know that. You think you're invincible. See, because you've been living your whole life for yourself. So you've built yourself up into this invincible God. And you think that, oh, tomorrow. There's some truth in what he's saying, but tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Right, Angelia? She doesn't have her brother on this side anymore. Decide for Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your heart. Has your life bared out that you live for you and you need to give your life today? So that's what I want to do in this time. I think that there are salvations that need to be in the room today. There are people who need to be saved here. There are people who need to give their life to Christ. There are people who need to die to self and live in Jesus. With all the lights on, is that you today? You tired of no turn, don't turn the lights down. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. I don't want anything in your way. I don't want anything. When you raise your hand, I want you to know that I'm a child of the king. And I will not turn back. I will die to live as Christ and to die as gain. Come on up here. There's one right there. You 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 want to receive Christ today? Then you come on up here. Look, there's one not ashamed. Tired of running, tired of running, and she's coming to Christ today. Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. There it is. Robert, will you catch her right there? Praise God, amen. Praise God, amen. You want to receive Christ today? Praise God, too, right there. Amen. Oh, man. If I could yell, I would. Tonight. Praise God. Look at that right there. Praise God. What about you? You want to receive Christ? Look. Now, where's all the guys? 
Praise God. Man, I'm telling you. If the church blew up and nobody could come back, today would have been worth it. Praise God. Now, is there another one in the room that needs to receive Christ in the realest way? Real. Shanda wants to come and rededicate her life. She feels as if she's got off track. Praise God. Today is the day of renewal. Today is the day of change, rebirth, and regeneration. Don't you leave this place without knowing that you know Jesus Christ. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Who among you? Who among you needs Christ? Who among you needs salvation? Please, please don't leave here today without knowing Christ as Savior. Just another minute. Is anybody else in here never given their life to Christ in a real way, with real physical change? Does your tree have poison fruit? Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Hold on, is this one more right here? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Come here. Come here. Let me get a hug. Ah, that's awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, well, do I need to do one more minute? We got to start doing the invitation with all the lights on every time. Hey, none of these right here are ashamed of Jesus. And you may think, man, that would be embarrassing. You know what? If your whole life has been lived trying to make much of yourself and not get embarrassed, you've made the first right step because you've said no to self and yes to God. Amen. Right? Amen. Oh, I don't want to end. I don't want to know. I don't know. Is there anybody else? <laughs> Life is happening today, guys. Hey, look. See? What's going on? prayer right here okay you guys come on come on over here let's just gather and listen you know I, I've, I'm very hesitant in the sinner's prayer and all that but I want you to know that you came to Christ on your own volition there's no prayer there's a special magical prayer but the Bible does tell us if we if we confess him as Lord and Savior, if we believe that God raised him from the dead, if we com confess him with our mouth and believe in our heart that we will be saved. So what I want to do is I, just, I do want to lead you in a prayer. But I want you to know that this prayer is just a prayer. 
The salvation occurs by the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart, by you giving your existence. This is not one and done. This is not fire insurance. This is the beginning of a life poured out for Jesus. Every minute of every day, your salvation is in Christ. And it is one time. Once you give your life to Christ, there's nothing that anybody can do to take it away from you. For who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing. But I want to also tell you that it is an ongoing thing because Paul said, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. It'll be a struggle every day. But as Christ works in your life, your salvation will continue to work itself out with fear and trembling. But it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And you can trust him because he said he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in the day of Christ. So today, as you give your life to Christ, you're saved and nobody can take it away. And as you move along, you will continually be sanctified and made new every day. And in the end, when you are no longer here on this earth and you cross that river, your Father in heaven, who you can now call Abba, which means Daddy, will look at you with a huge smile, grab you up in his arms, and say, Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. You can take heart in that. He will. So as I pray... If you just want to repeat after me, really just acknowledging what Christ has done in your heart, then you do that, okay? Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I know that there's nothing good that I can do. There's nothing that I can offer you. I am a sinner. I have no hope apart from you but I believe that you are God. I believe that you raised from the dead. And I know that you can give me life. Come into my heart. Save me. I give my life to you. And I will find my life in you. I am yours. Praise God, you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church.